Welcome to this week's podcast from Terrelgan City Church. We hope this message transforms and equips you to reach out. For more information about what's happening at TCC, head to mytcc.com.au or check us out on Facebook. We hope you enjoy this message. Thank you. Well, thank you for that lovely welcome. I was going to welcome everyone here this morning, but you've already welcomed me. <laughs> Don't you love that song, I am a child of God? Because it doesn't matter how old we are, we're children of God. I thought, yes, like that one. So whether we're two years old and whether we're undisclosed ages, we're still children of God. So as Pastor Megan said, we're now in 2023. How exciting is that? I wonder what God has in store for us throughout this year. And so as I go into my word this morning, I'm just going to hand it all over to God. And I thank you, Father. I thank you for your great love. We thank you that we are your children. And as I bring this word, I pray that it glorifies you. I pray that it feeds your children, Lord God, and encourages us to step into this year, not afraid, Lord, but walking in faith, believing in you and all that you have planned and purposed. In Jesus' name, amen. So it's interesting how for each of us, as one year is completed and another begins, I don't know if you do the same, but you ref- I'm assuming you reflect on the year gone past and then you look towards the year ahead and what that year will bring. And as believers, I pray that we will look at how our faith journey will be this year with Jesus and a aptly how we will run the race set before us. So as Pastor Megan said, to start off 2023, our theme for January is Sunday, Monday Church. And the purpose of this theme is to start the year off with our focus on living out Christianity every day, not just on Sunday. To not be a Sunday Christian Warming the pews, which I don't know if you know what pews are, but anyway, we warm our seats, but we're not going to just warm our seats and then forget about Jesus for the rest of the week. We actually sat on some pews the other day at Shannon and Chris's wedding. Now, don't like pews. They're very uncomfortable. I don't think I'd be warming them. Julie wanted to use the kneeling pad to put underneath the bottom to, keep, <laughs> to be more comfortable. I was saying, no, Julie, you can't do that. So I have titled today's message, Running the Race, for reasons which I'll explain to you later. But before we begin, it is essential that you are reminded of who you are in Christ. And all the songs we sang this morning did exactly that, didn't they? They reminded us who we are in Christ. In other words, what your true identity is, so that you will walk in that identity and not what the world would say you are. Believers are not simply churchgoers. They're not religious. There is so much more depth and richness to who you are as believers. You have been redeemed by the blood of the Lamb. You are a child of God. And Romans 8, 17 says, And since we are his children, we are his heirs. 
And Philippians goes on to say, and therefore, as a follower of Christ and a member of his family, you are a citizen of heaven. But for now, we're planted here in this time and in this place. And this isn't just by chance. You are not just a statistic in the world's population. You are here to fulfill God's plans and purposes. Your life on this earth has God-given purpose, which was put into place before the foundation of the earth. It's not all just by chance. And so we're going to put up a scripture now, Ephesians chapter 1, verses 3 to 14, and this is from the message. And I've skipped around a bit. I've missed a few um, verses. And I'll put it up there because I think it's important for you to read it as well. And it sort of goes in a bit better. So long before he, meaning God, laid down earth foundations, he had us in mind, had settled on us as the focus of his love, to be made whole and holy by his love. Long, long ago, he decided to adopt us into his family through Jesus Christ. What pleasure he took in planning this. He wanted us to enter into the celebration of his lavish gift-giving by the hand of his beloved son. It is in Christ that we find out who we are and what we are living for. Long before we first heard of Christ and got our hopes up, he had his eye on us, had designs on us for glorious living, part of the overall purpose he is working out in everything and everyone. It is in Christ that you, once you heard the truth and believed it, this message of your salvation, found yourselves home free, signed, sealed and delivered by the Holy Spirit. This sign from God is the first instalment of what's coming, a reminder that we'll get everything God has planned for us, a praising and a glorious life. So, I love those, that scripture, and it just says everything. It's so awesome. And the powerful statement that I really want to read to you again is, long before we first heard of Christ and got our hopes up, he had his eye on us. We didn't know it, but he had his eye on us. He already knew you. He knew you when you were in your mother's womb. He had um, designs on us for glorious living, part of the overall purpose. He's talking about you, each one of you. And he, that overall purpose he is working out in everything and in everyone. He's working out those purposes in and through you. So in knowing that, how about starting with this? And it's from 1 Corinthians chapter 10, 31. So whether you eat or drink or whatever you do, do it all for the glory of God. In everything that you do in life, do it for God's glory. What a testimony to the world. And that is who you are. You are God's living testimonies. You are his ambassadors in this world. And Matthew 5, 14 to 16 that describes us this way. You're the light of the world. I think it's up there. A town built on a hill cannot be hidden. Neither do people light a lamp and put it under a bowl. Instead, they put it on its stand and it gives light to everyone in the house. 
in the same way, let your light shine before others because you are testimonies, you are ambassadors, that they may see your good deeds and glorify your God, your Father in heaven. And so this is how we live the lifestyle of a believer. Every day, day by day, minute by minute. And you may be wondering how you can shine your light and you could look at quite a few ways, and, but this morning we're going to briefly look at how Jesus has called us to shine our light, which when we talk about his light, that's his presence within us, his life, his truth, his way. And we can read in Matthew chapters 24 and 25, in which Jesus responds to a question asked by his disciples. And this question and it was only his disciples he was speaking to, not to the crowds at this time, is in Matthew 24, 3. As he sat on the Mount of Olives, the disciples came to him privately saying, tell us, when will these things be and what will be the sign of your coming and at the end of the age? Well, that's a pretty big question, isn't it? And during this conversation, Jesus teaches about the Son of Man, the Kingdom of Heaven and the Judgment. One of these teachings is the parable of the talents in Matthew 25, 14 to 30. If you want to just no note that down, you might like to read that later. Because this parable starts off with a man who was called the master and he was going on a long journey and he didn't say when he was going to come back. So he called his servants and entrusted each with a varying amount of talents, giving one five talents another two and another one, each according to his ability or her ability. The talent in this parable refers to a measure of money. We often think of as talent is how talented we are, don't we? What our giftings are, but it actually refers to money. In Roman times, one talent equaled 6,000 denarii. And that was one denarius was roughly a day's wages for a labourer. So, if we look at it that way, the talents that the master gave was a huge amount of money to each of them that he entrusted to them. So, the first fellow who received the five talents, he went out and he traded, making five more. And the one who received two talents, he did the same and he made two more talents. So, they really got lots of interest and money out of it. But the one who received the one talent... Uh, he didn't really trust um, his master. He thought he was a bit dodgy, I think. And so he dug a hole in the ground and he put the talent in there and left it there. Didn't do anything with it. After a long time, the master of those servants returned and settled accounts with them. And I think we know this really well. This is the scripture. To one who had five talents, he came forward bringing five more talents and the master said, well done, good and faithful servant. You've been faithful over a little. I will set you over much. Enter into the joy of your master. And likewise, the servant with the two talents also came forward and delivered two more. The master was pleased with this servant too, and he was set over much. It meant he was given a lot of responsibility. And he was also invited to enter into the joy of the master. However, the last servant who had received the one talent and hidden it in a hole in the ground, um, he came back with that talent. He had kept it, but he hadn't used it. He hadn't, uh, hadn't done anything with it. 
And he said to the master, oh, I knew you to be a hard man, reaping where you did not sow and gathering where you scattered no seed. So I was afraid and I went and hid your talent in the ground. Here you have what is yours. So this servant didn't trust his master. He didn't even know him by the things that he spoke about him. But the master answered him, you wicked and slothful servant. That means lazy if you don't know that word. You knew that I reap. You knew that I reap where I have not sown and gather where I scattered no seed. Then you ought to have invested my money with the bankers and at my coming, I should have received what was my own with interest. So take the talent from him and give it to him who has the 10 talents. For to everyone who has, has will be given and he will have an abundance. But from the one who has not, even what he has will be taken away. And these are really harsh words. And cast the worthless servant into the outer darkness, into that place where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Wow. Not a, not a really good parable, is it? It's like it's a it's very confronting picture that Jesus brings. So we need to understand what Jesus is teaching here. Well, have you worked it out that the master is Jesus? And we know Jesus has gone away for a time. And he is preparing a place for us. And one day he will return. He's promised that. And he will take us to be to himself, to be with him in heaven. And we call this our blessed hope. However, while we wait, await his coming, we're not to sit around twiddling our thumbs or warming the pews. For he has entrusted this, us with something of great and immense value. And you, I want you to start thinking about what he has entrusted us with. And your work is to be faithful and increase for the master, for Jesus, what he has entrusted to you until you go to be with him or until Jesus comes to take us to be with him. So, you got some ideas of what this is, what we're talking about? What each of us has been given according to our abilities, which is of great value. It's the gospel and testimony of God. Each of us as believers in Jesus Christ, having been saved, we have that gospel and testimony of God. Each one of us has been entrusted with the salvation message. And our God-given calling is to share that precious message with others according to our gifts and abilities. Some are evangelists. Some are pastors. Most of us are ordinary Joe Blows. But we all have that message, that precious, precious message that Jesus has given to us. And he has said, go out. Go out and share that message. In the parable, the master rebukes the lazy servant and says that he could have at least got some interest or increase. And so even the smallest effort is acceptable to God. He's not a hard taskmaster. He's just saying, what you have, just go and share it. Would, but would just doing a small amount, would that glorify God? Personally, I don't think so. I think each one of us should do our very best according to our abilities, according to what God calls each one of us to do. And that's different for each one of us. 
You could look at one person and see them going out and standing on street corners and telling people about Jesus and you could be thinking, no way I could do that. No way I could do that. No way I'd do it. But you might be a person who comes and sits beside somebody and just shares with them gently about the message of Jesus Christ, the gospel message. We're all able to do it in our own way, in the way that God has enabled us to do so. He wants the very best from each one of us. Give us, give him the very best. And in that way, we are glorifying him. And this is how each of us is to live out or walk our Christian life every day. We must not hide our light, which is the gospel message, under a bowl. Don't hold it inside yourself. You've got it. You are so, so blessed. You've got that that message. You've been saved. There are people out there in the world who are suffering, who are struggling, who have no hope, who are angry and hurting, who are grieving, and they don't know Jesus. They, they look at the world and they think, I haven't got a future. The world's telling me I haven't got a future. The world's telling me the, wor- the world's being destroyed. Uh, you know, there's no hope. And they, that's how they're living. And we can speak into them that hope and that life which they can have through Jesus Christ. So why did I title this message, Running the Race? And we've got a scripture coming up here in Acts 20:24, And this is in the book of Acts. Paul says these powerful words. I consider my life worth nothing to me if only I may finish the race and complete the task the Lord Jesus has given me. Listen to what the task is. The task of testifying to the gospel of God's grace. And near the end of his life, Paul was able to declare in 2 Timothy 4, 7, I have fought the good fight. I have finished the race. I have kept the faith. And I must admit, when I was writing this, I was thinking of our Michelle, who has always been faithful, who fought the good fight, and she has finished that race, and she's now in the presence of God. So, by declaring I've finished the race, Paul is telling Timothy that he had put every effort into the work of proclaiming to all the gospel of salvation. He had diligently invested the talent which Jesus had entrusted to him. He had completed the course set before him, and he had left nothing undone. He was ready to cross the finish line into heaven. Every believer runs their own race. Each is enabled to be a winner through the power of the Holy Spirit by the abilities they have been given. And Paul exhorts us to run in such a way as to get the prize. And to do this, we must set aside anything that would hinder us from living and sharing the gospel of Christ. And so this scripture, which I think is our last scripture in Hebrews 12, 1 to 3, um, is a powerful scripture. And um, Well, it doesn't say Paul wrote it, but I believe Hebrews is written by Paul because it's very similar writing. Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles and let us run with perseverance the brace marked out for us. 
fixing our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of faith. For the joy set before him, he endured the cross, scorning its shame and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Consider him who endured such opposition for sinners so that you will not grow weary and lose heart. In this scripture, Paul, well, not in this scripture, but Paul compares a follower of Jesus to an athlete and our race, our life is a race. This race in life isn't a sprint, thank goodness. So who's good at sprinting? Anyone here? No. It's a marathon. It is a marathon. And the course of the race is different for each one of us. And when we're running that marathon, sometimes we get weary. Sometimes we think we can't go on. But get up and keep going. And through the refreshing empowering of the Holy Spirit, you'll be able to do it. Through the encouragement of fellow fellow believers, they'll urge us on. And we will run that race. We will run that marathon. And we will cross the finish line. God is the one marking it out for us, this race which is different for each person. And as we run this race, I love this in that scripture, we are surrounded by a great cloud of witnesses, those who have gone before us to be with Jesus in heaven. Do you know people who have gone before you and are in heaven? My mum and my dad. I'm going to start crying now. Our little grandson. And Michelle, they've all gone before us to heaven and they are the great cloud of witnesses and they are urging us on. They're all watching us as we diligently employ the precious talent that Jesus has entrusted to each one of us. Yes, they're urging us on and I can imagine them shouting out, don't weary of doing good. Keep your eyes on the finish line. You can do it through Christ who strengthens you. The one in you, is, in you is greater than the one in the world. What else would he say, what they say to us? Can you think about anything else you know about yourselves? We are victorious, aren't we? We are more than conquerors. And, be, and you know those rattle things, I go whoop, 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 whoop. I can imagine them up there going whoop, 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 whoop. Come on, guys, keep going. Get up, get up. Megan, get up from there. Come on, you can run. Carmel, keep running that race. Yes, and you'll do it. And you'll cross that finish line through Christ, Jesus Christ, who strengthens us, who enables us, who has given us this precious gift to give to others. So let us run that race. Don't weary of doing good. And so may we be diligent in our race. May we keep our eyes on the goal. And may we, like Paul, finish strong as we leave the comfort and safety of our pew and live out our Christian faith every day. Why? For the glory of God. Why? For the lost in this world. In Jesus' name. And so, Lord, we come to you before you in Jesus' name. You know each person here, Lord. You know the race that we're running and you know where we're at. You know our struggles, Lord. You know that we can get tired at times and, and disheartened, Lord God. You know that how we can look at the world and think, what the heck is going on? 
But Lord, you say, just keep focused. Keep your eye on that finish line. Keep running that race and cross the finish line. So Lord, I pray for your blessing upon each person here. I pray that each person here has opportunity to share that precious gift that we each have and to impart it into somebody else. For our friends and our family and for strangers, Lord God. So I ask for your blessing upon each person here and your protection over them. And I claim the blood of Jesus Christ over your people. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for listening to this week's message. We hope that you've been challenged and inspired. For more information about Terrelgan City Church, check out mytcc.com.au.